0: <clears throat> I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! <laughs> so sometimes I, uh, I forget how old I am and uh, oftentimes I try to forget how old I am. Sometimes I forget and I assume that uh, all of you will know the movies and the the movie quotes that we do here. I assume these are universally known movie quotes. But just in case you do not know, that quote, you want the truth, you can't, well, it's uh, I want the truth, and then it's you can't handle the truth, right? That's from A Few Good Men. So So those of you who are my age or older, you probably know that movie. Hopefully, some of you younger people have watched these. are the classics, all right? got to watch these movies so you know what we're talking about at church. Read your Bible, watch the movies that I'm going to talk about, all right? But in that movie, Tom Cruise is trying to defend two marines who have been accused of murder by, in essence, hazing a fellow soldier. They call it uh, Red, Code Red. And the question was, in this trial, was this code read a command from a superior officer in order to deal with a subpar soldier? And spoiler alert, it was. So you've had 30 years to watch it, people. So if that ruins it, that's on you. It was ordered by the commander of the base, who was played by Jack Nicholson. And the part we heard was from that trial, When he yells to Tom Cruise, you can't handle the truth. His character will go on to say, you don't want the truth because deep down in places you don't talk about at parties, you want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. We use words like honor, code, and loyalty. We use these words as a backbone of a life spent defending something. You use them as a punchline. I have neither the time nor the inclination to explain myself to a man who rises and sleeps under the blanket of the very freedom that I provide and then questions the manner in which I provide it. Tom Cruise wants the truth. Jack Nicholson says, you can't handle the truth because you know the truth already, but you hide from that truth because you can't handle that truth. We all want truth, don't we? It's why we all watch Ancient Aliens on the History Channel. <laughs> Maybe just me, I don't know. <laughs> we all want the truth, and we all think, of course, we can handle the truth, but can we really handle the truth? Could we handle the truth if we knew Everything that was really going on around us. And you might chuckle and say, Well, obviously, we could handle that. We could handle knowing, and we want to know. And especially these days when it's so hard to trust the government, it's so hard to trust the media, it's so hard to trust even our medical providers. All we want is the truth, and we want to know that this is true or it's not. But if history has proven anything, it's that the reality is, oftentimes, we cannot handle the truth. In 1938, uh, Orson Welles performed on uh, CBS radio network, The War of the Worlds. And during that performance, it led to a, a mass panic among the listeners so many people were calling into the police department that eventually the studio was filled with police officers and their blue uniforms. Uh, one of the articles said all you could see were blue uniforms in the lobby of, this, of the CBS studios. We can't always handle the news that we're getting. But more recently, I'm confident that many of you, if not all of you, can think of a time in which you have allowed fear, whether it was a fear from an actual or perceived danger, but you've allowed fear to dictate your decisions. You want the truth, but oftentimes we can't handle the truth. And when the truth comes, we try to hide from that truth and we will use fear to make our decisions. So how do we overcome fear and instead allow wisdom to guide our steps? We're going to read in John 16, uh, verses 12 through 15 today. If you would uh, open with me in your Bibles to that. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. This is Jesus talking to the disciples, by the way. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Would you uh, join with me in prayer? As I'm praying, I'll ask for you to be praying as well in your spirits, in your hearts, for, for myself, for this service. But actually, before we pray, I want to ask a question. How many of you today, right now, are expecting to meet Jesus in this service? Go ahead and raise your hand if you are expecting to meet Jesus in this service today. All right. The second question, how many of you are expecting to feel a movement of the Holy Spirit in this service today? And go ahead, raise your hands again if that's true. Awesome. And not every hand is raised, and that's good, because we want honesty. I want to know where people are at. But here's something we learned in Cuba. When we expect God to show up, he shows up. So if you didn't raise your hand, and for some of you who maybe you did raise your hand just because the people next to you are raising your hand, but you're kind of questioning, I don't know if I'm going to see God today. I don't know if God's going to show up today. Good news is, as we believe in a God that gives us prevenient grace. That sometimes even when we don't expect it or we aren't looking for it, he is still working in us. So there's good news for you. If you're not expecting God to show up, hey, he may show up anyways for you. Awesome. But here's the better news. 100% 100% money-back guarantee. If you raised your hand and you meant it, you expect God to show up in this service today, he is going to show up. You will meet Jesus in this service. You will see a movement of the Holy Spirit in this service. And when when I say the service, I don't mean just in this room during this message. I'm talking about afterwards as we're talking in the gallery. I'm talking about when the kids are out on the, the bounce house. God is going to show up in mighty ways. 100% money-back guarantee. If you expect him to show up today, he is going to show up show up. If he doesn't show up, I want my money back. Alright, so we're all clear on that. So as we pray, I want you to pray with an expectation that God is going to show up and he's going to speak something to you today. And all the little distractions that may occur during this service, all the little things that may throw you off, don't worry about those. Expect God to show up and be looking for where he 's at, because when we can expect God to show up in church, if we can 't expect God to show up in church, how are we ever going to find Him in the grocery store right? But if we expect God to show up in church, maybe just maybe we 'll get to the point where no matter where where we are at, we will find Him and we will see Him showing up so let 's pray today in an expectant way. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you that you have revealed yourself to us and yourself to us in so many ways. Oh Father, reveal yourself to us once again. Show up today in a mighty way. I pray that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to receive the message that you have for each one of us. Father, whether that's through my words or in spite of my words, whether that's through somebody sitting, maybe a child sitting in front of somebody here and and you just speak through that child, Lord, or you speak through a conversation in the gallery or maybe through that last worship song, Father. Somehow, Lord, you are going to show up today for each person here who is expecting you to show up. We pray that you would do that in a mighty way, that we would leave here changed, that we would leave here looking more like your son, Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, fill us, that we may glorify Christ today. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to begin with this passage by kind of just looking through the passage and explaining the passage a little bit. Jesus begins, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. What is he talking about? What more does Jesus have to tell the disciples? And it's interesting, that word there, to bear, that bestadzo, It means to bear a heavy burden, to have a heavy burden on you. Jesus is saying, if I tell you this, it will be too heavy of a burden on you. You wouldn't be able to handle it. So whatever Jesus has to tell them, it is something serious. It is something big. So what is left to tell? Perhaps a a better explanation of the Trinity or Communion or baptism or maybe why bad things happen to good people. Maybe there's more of that to share that he's not ready to tell them. But that's not it. Because believe it or not, we have all of the factual information that we need already in the Word of God. Jesus has given us everything we need Right here. As a matter of fact, in John 15, 15, Jesus says, No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends, because all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Jesus has already revealed everything we need to know. Everything is already in his word. So 2,000 years later, there are no new revelations. There are no new additions to the word of God. So when people come to you and they start saying things like, Oh, the Lord has spoken to me this new thing. The Bible has very harsh words for those people. They're called false prophets. God has revealed it all to us already. Deuteronomy 4.2, Moses tells us just how important this is. He said, you shall not add to the word from which I am commanding you, nor take away from it, so that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I have commanded you. Do not add or take away from the word of God. He got it right. There's nothing left for us to add, and we certainly should not be taken away. Everything we need to know is right there. So what was left for Jesus to share? And Jesus tells us in this passage what was left. He says, it is what is yet to come. He will tell you what is yet to come. What Jesus still needs to share, what he won't share with the disciples yet, is what is yet to come for them. They were not ready at that point to bear the burden of the hardships that they were going to endure for their faith. Now, Jesus made hints throughout his time with them in Matthew 20, 22, and 23. Jesus is talking to James and John. He says, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink? James and John said to him, We are able. And Jesus said, My cup you shall drink. But to sit at the right hand of the Father is not for me to give. In Matthew 24, Jesus says this to the disciples. See to it that no one misleads you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will mislead many people. And you will be hearing of wars and rumors of war. See that you are not alarmed, for those things must take place. But that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pains. Then they will hand you over to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. And at that time many will fall away, and they will betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will rise up and mislead many people. And because lawlessness has increased, many, most people's loves will be, love will become cold. But the one who endures to the end is the one who will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come. He's again telling the disciples these tribulations, these trials, these difficult times are going to come. But they don't really get it yet. They're kind of thinking in generalities at this point. And then a the third thing in John 12, he says, actually, this is how we know, I'm sorry, that, uh, that they didn't really understand it yet. Jesus had been kind of hinting that these things were coming, but they didn't really understand everything he had said until the Holy Spirit comes. In John 12, um, John says, these things his disciples did not understand at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written of him, and that they had done these things for him. Why weren't they ready for that information before? Why couldn't they handle the truth of the hardships that were to come? Because on their own, they would not have had the strength or the courage to stand under such tribulations. And if you don't believe that, Mark 14 tells us exactly what the disciples did when Jesus was arrested. His disciples all left him and fled, Mark says. A young man was following him, wearing nothing but a linen sheet over his naked body. And they seized him, but he pulled free of the linen sheet and escaped naked. Could they handle the truth? Could they handle the hardship that was about to come? It's believed that that young man was Mark himself. Mark ran away naked to avoid that hardship. On their own power, they could never endure what Jesus endured. So Jesus couldn't share with them the fullness of the tribulations that they were going to face as his followers. But when the Spirit came on that first Pentecost, He would give them the strength they needed to endure all the hardships, all the difficulties that they would face. Do you get that? On that first Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit blew in like a wind and rested on them like tongues of fire, then they were given the strength that they needed to endure all the all the hardships that they were going to face. That same Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit we were just talking about that we expect to show up today. We expect a movement of the Spirit in our lives today because it is the Holy Spirit that will give us the strength to endure whatever is coming. So who is, and in this passage it calls him the Spirit of truth, but as we call him the Holy Spirit, who is the Holy Spirit. So now for a, a little bit of a teaching time, because sadly, too many in our church are kind of illiterate on some things. So the Trinity is the the, the Holy Spirit is the third part of the Trinity. But you ask, who is the Trinity? Well, the Trinity is who we're talking about in the Apostles' Creed that Pastor Joe did with us today. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. I believe in the Holy Spirit. That is the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So does that mean that we worship three gods? Of course it doesn't. We don't worship three gods. We See, all three persons in this trinity, we are not worshiping three gods, though we are worshiping three persons who make up one God. How does that make sense? kind of doesn't. (laughs) In our minds, we will never fully fathom how the trinity makes any sense at all. But we see it all through the word of God, and we try to come up with ways to explain it. You may have heard of St. Patrick using the clover, the three leaves make up one clover. You may have heard of the egg, you know, the shell, the white, the yolk. You may have heard of the water, you know, being water, ice, or steam. The problem with all of these analogies is they all fall apart at one point or another. All we can truly understand is that there is a Trinity. That the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit make up the one God, the God that we worship. I'm going to throw in another analogy because it's my favorite analogy about the Trinity. And it's the one that we teach our our youth when they go through confirmation class. And also it was Amelia's first piano recital the other day. So it kind of ties in with playing the piano. And I don't play the piano. So I hope that Seedbed and our confirmation book have not led me astray on this. but they use the analogy of three notes making a chord. So they say if you put your thumb on a white key and then skip a key and put your index finger and then your middle finger and you push all at once, those three chords make a harmonic um, chord. Those three notes make a harmonic chord. This is the trinity. The threeness and the oneness working together perfectly perfectly. So that's kind of how we explain the Trinity. But the one part that we are interested in today is the Holy Spirit. So again, who is that Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is considered that third person of the Trinity. First, I want to say that, and we, as we see in this passage, that the Holy Spirit is not an energy. The Holy Spirit is not the force. This isn't the Star Wars universe. The Holy Spirit is always referred to as He. Now I don't think the he is because he's masculine, he's spirit but it's, you know, back in olden days like when I was in school, all books were written in the masculine so it didn't necessarily mean boy or girl, it's just if if it was unknown they used he. But the important part that we need to recognize from this is that the Holy Spirit is a person, an individual. You see, I've shared this in the past. I, I started studying Taoism before I became a Christian, and I loved the idea of that universe around me, and that I could just kind of trust the universe, and it would take me where I needed to go. My problem with trusting the universe is, well, it's the universe. It's kind of impersonal. You know, what does that mean, the universe? The Holy Spirit is not impersonal but God is personal and the Holy Spirit is a personal God who loves us. That's why as I was reading the book of Matthew and saw this God who loves me, who cares about me, I said this is the God that I'm looking for, not the universe who is impersonal but a God who knows me, the God who loves me and that is the Holy Spirit and it's because of the love love God has for us that the Spirit leads us to repentance by convicting us of our sin. And it is the Spirit, then, that gives us the grace to be able to choose to trust God. Because the Holy Spirit loves us, He enables us to do all of these things. And because the Holy Spirit loves us, <clears throat> He gives us the strength, the endurance, that we can make it through all trials and tribulations. If you have the Holy Spirit in your life, never again do you need to allow fear to dictate your decisions because we can trust in the God of the universe and we can trust in the Holy Spirit that fills us, that he will give us the strength to endure anything that may come along. So how does he enable us to endure what we are to endure? And we especially need to understand this in the last days as things get worse. How do we get to that point with God that we trust the Holy Spirit so much, that we are changed so much into the likeness of Christ, that we can endure all things? And I want to share a little practical application for you by sharing a story, because I like stories. I think stories are good ways to interesting ways to share truth. And they usually keep me awake when I'm in the pews. I know not everyone else is into the stories as much. But this is a true story about a person who's now known as Saint Pasios. He was a Greek um, monk. He was actually kind of the head of the monastery and very respected among the Greek Orthodox Church. And one of the The monks in that church experienced this when he was young. A man came to St. Athnos Monastery, and his name was uh, Stamatis. Good Greek name, right? I almost called him Steve, but then I kept practicing Stamatis, so it works. We're just going to go with that. But Stamatis had a friend who had died. This was in the early 80s, and his friend had died of AIDS, and uh, this wasn't generally talked about in the 80s. So when Saint Stat, So when Statmos came to this monk, he told him his monk, The monk asked him, "You know, why are you here? Um, you know, what are you looking for?" And he tells him the story about his friend died, how his friend died, and he was looking to pray for his soul. What do I do? How do I I pray for his soul so that he could alleviate his hurt and his pain? Because he didn't know how to endure the hardship that he was enduring without his friend. So this monk said, I will take you to Pasios, the leader of the monastery. So they did. They go up, which... If you look this up on YouTube, it's a very funny story. It's a long story of um, how they get back up to the monastery. And the guy wasn't too happy about it because it it meant a lot of work for him to get back up there. But this is what we're called to do as Christians. Somebody needs something, we take them where they need to go. We do what what we need to do to to take care of them. So finally they get up to the monastery and they're talking to Pasmos, Piasos, sorry. And Piasos, after talking to him, he looks at him and he says, can you fast on Wednesdays and Fridays? And Stamatis says, yes. He says, can you go to the hospital and take care of the sick? Stamatis says, yes. Can you help the people who don't have anyone to take care of them? He says, Yes can you go every Sunday and attend church? He says, yes. Can you give nine-tenths? Because this guy had a lot of money. He said, you've got all this money. Can you live on one-tenth of what you have and give nine-tenths of what you have to the poor? Stamatos says, yes. He will do anything to get through this hardship he is going through. He says, can you confess to a spiritual father your sins and start following the commands of our Lord? Stamatos says, yes. And then he says, can you live every day by praying and confessing for your mistakes and trying not to repeat any of them? He again says, yes. So Piazio says, go back to where you came from. He says, don't think about this person anymore. He goes, this monk here is going to pray for your friend. You are not to think about him anymore. You are to do all these things I've told you to do. And God will do what is impossible for you. Again, he said, Go do what you can, and God will do for you what you cannot do for yourself. So, did you understand that? Go do what you can and let God, let the Holy Spirit change you. Let God do for you what you cannot do. Do all that you can and let God do what you cannot. For months now, this is what I've been trying to share over and over again in different ways. Everything that Piasmos told him to do was a spiritual discipline. We need to spend time working on those disciplines, putting ourselves in that position to allow the Holy Spirit to work in and change us, to transform us into the likeness of Jesus. We need to do what we can do praying. And not in the car, but really on your knees, crying out to God. John Wesley's prayer thing, you could see the dents from his knees. I'm talking serious prayer. Studying the scriptures, not reading a verse on the Bible lap that shows up. Oh good, I got my verse and I get to push the button and check it off. Studying the word of God, meditating on the word of God. So it goes from here to here and becomes part of our lives. Fasting, serving God and using our spiritual gifts for his glory. Being at church every week, this is another means of grace. This is another discipline, is fellowshipping together, worshiping God together. The average attendance for a Christian now is once a month. That's insane. These are the things that we need to do every day, every week, We need to be in this church. Every day we need to be practicing these disciplines. Because when we do what we can do, God will do the work that we cannot do. Because no matter how hard you try, you will never endure the difficulties and the hardships on your own. And they're coming, they're coming, my friends. The only way we endure these things is with the Holy Spirit. And the only way we will be changed is to put ourselves into a position to allow the Holy Spirit to change us. Do what you can do, and God will do the impossible. And when you become who God created you to be, then you will be able to handle the truth. And not only handle the truth, but you will live in the truth even when the dark times come. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, again, we thank you and praise you for this day. Oh, Father, help us. Give us the strength. Give us the desire to draw close to you to do the work that we can do that you will be able to do the work in us that we cannot do. Father, I think of that skit guy's skit that I know a lot of people have seen where we want to be changed. He wants you to chisel him and change him, but it hurts, it's hard. So we say, oh, not there, not that. Father, let us give every part of our lives over to you that you can change us, that you may change us into who you have called us to be. Father, as we walk out these doors today, let us not forget this message. Let us not forget what we need to do as far as our part goes trusting that you will do your part. Father, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.